Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. So let's just move on now in 1 Kings 12 as we continue, and I'm going to call this one a grand opportunity. Now, there's something that hit me when I was reading all this is I started having difficulty in determining the difference between Rehoboam and Jeroboam. First off, Solomon's son, that was Rehoboam, and his name means the enlarger of the people. So the way I try to think of it, and this is just the way I work, is that Rehoboam re placed Solomon on the throne of Judah. Rehoboam replaced Solomon on the throne. But then there's Jeroboam, and Jeroboam's name means one who opposes. Now, have you ever heard of the term jerry-rig? Like, if it means you set up something badly. Jeroboam is going to jerry-rig his kingdom. Rehoboam replaced Solomon on the throne. That's my little helper. Take it or leave it. You can use it if you want to, but that helped me a lot. <laughs> anyway, as we go into 1 Kings 12, I, I just want to ask you, if have you ever known anybody that has that totally blew a grand opportunity? I mean, they had it in front of them, and they just blew it, the grand opportunity. So today, we're going to see what two kings do in 1 Kings 12, a grand opportunity. 1 Kings 12, verse 1, the revolt against Rehoboam. And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone to Shechem to make him king. So it happened when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard it. He was still in Egypt, for he had fled from the presence of King Solomon and had been dwelling in Egypt, that they sent and called him. Then Jeroboam and the whole assembly of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam, saying, Your father has made our yoke heavy. Now, therefore, lighten the burdensome service of your father and his heavy yoke which he put on us, and we will serve you. So he said to them, Depart for three days, then come back to me. And the people departed. Okay, first off, they're in Shechem. That's an important place because that's where God promised the land to Abram. Shechem was also one of Israel's cities of refuge. And so that's why Rehoboam was coronated as king in Shechem, because the Israelites regarded Shechem as a very sacred place of promise and commitment. And so by coronating him king there, that maybe they felt they linked the coronation of the king with the past great leaders of Israel's history. And so the northern tribes, they called for Jeroboam to try to get Rehoboam to back off of the workload that Solomon had put onto them. Ever since Adonijah had tried to steal the throne from David way back then, if you remember, the kingdom had been somewhat divided. There had been this grudge, this hurtful old rift going on. 
And so Rehoboam had the grand opportunity to reconcile these old, bitter wounds back together again. So they called Jeroboam to go speak to him. Rehoboam had a grand opportunity to do something great right here. What's he going to do with it? 1 Kings 12 and 6. Then Rehoboam consulted the elders who stood before his father Solomon while he still lived, and he said, How do you advise me to answer these people? And they spoke to him, saying, If you will be a servant to these people today, and serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. Okay, good advice. Now, if you remember when King Saul, though, King Saul died, there was a lot of Benjamites. They felt the throne should have been kept by another Benjamite. They didn't want David, who was from Judah, to take the throne. And so David, he played his cards real wisely. Remember Abner? He got Abner because Abner knew how to speak to the Benjamites. And so Abner goes in and they won Benjamite support for David from the tribe of Judah to become the next king of Israel. So now here's Rehoboam's turn, his turn to use wisdom like David did. And they said, you need to speak good words to them. They're going to be your servants forever. Here's the grand opportunity that Rehoboam has to do something right, to fix a sort of wedged, uh, divided kingdom back together, 1 Kings 12 and 8. But he rejected the advice which the elders had given him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him, who stood before him. And he said to them, what advice do you give? How should we answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, Lighten the yoke which your father put on us. Then the young men who had grown up with him spoke to him, saying, Thus you should speak to the people who have spoken to you, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you made it lighter on us. Thus you shall say to them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's waist. And now, whereas my father put a heavy yoke on you, I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. Okay, so Rehoboam foolishly blew off the wise counsel of his elders, and he decided to go with the bro code. Any of you know the bro code? That's the good old boy system. It's when your buds are around, you you do what they want you to do, even, even if it's stupid. You know, you get around this group of guys that once you get together, you just go nuts. You just go crazy because you you, you gotta you have an audience. You gotta satisfy each other in some kind of crazy way. That's the bro code. Do what do what your brothers want you to do. And I bet the reason why Rehoboam's young friends, I think the reason why they pushed him to work harder is because they wanted to get rich off of him. So they're telling Rehoboam, man, make it make it tougher, make it tougher. And in the back of their mind, they're thinking, we're going to get rich off of our off our buddy Rehoboam here because we got the bro code, yo. So they're going to work that. That's terrible. First Kings 12 and 12. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king had directed, saying, come back to me the third day. Then the king answered the people roughly and rejected the advice which the elders had given him. And he spoke to them according to the advice of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you 
with scourges. And there you go. Rehoboam just blew it. He blew the grand opportunity that he was given because he was more concerned with what all his friends thought. You ever been around people like that? They don't care about doing right. They just want to do what their friends are going to like. Now, if he had listened to the wise counsel of the older guys that walked with Solomon, it would have gained Rehoboam back the support of the northern tribes. But these scourges that he had threatened them with, that's a, that's a whip that had sharp pieces of metal in it designed to tear pieces of flesh off with every strike. It's not just a whip. It's got little chunks of metal and it's supposed to rip into you. So he basically said, I'm not just going to sting you with work. I'm going to tear you with work. First Kings twelve fifteen. So the king did not listen to the people for the turn of events was from the Lord that he might fulfill his word, which the Lord had spoken by Ahijah, the Shelanite to Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Now, this prophecy that was just said that he fulfilled, okay, I'm, I'm going to make your work heavier. Apparently, the Bible says it was the Lord that was directing all this to go down this way. I know some of you are like, wait a minute, why would God make it worse? God is good. He's supposed to make things better. No, this was because it was a prophecy that was said, and it, we were just told that. It's so that the Lord could fulfill his word that he spoke to Jeroboam through Ahijah. What prophecy was that that just got fulfilled? I may have missed that, Ray. Well, you got to go back to 1 Kings 11, verse 39. The Lord said, I will afflict the descendants of David because of this, but not forever. And so these scourges that Rehoboam threatened them with, that was God's affliction that he was talking about against the sin that they had. And so the Lord caused this turn of events so that Rehoboam would become the one who fulfilled this prophecy. By saying, I'm going to make your load worse, that was actually the Lord God causing that turn of events to happen so that he could afflict the servants of David. This is God doing all this, friends. God would judge an entire nation's sin by giving them a king through which judgment would come. Did you know that God does that? There are times when God sets up a foolish leader in a position of authority to judge an entire nation for its sin. 1 Kings 12 and 16. Now, when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, saying, What share have we in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Now see to your own house, O David. So Israel departed to their tents. But Rehoboam reigned over the children of Israel who dwelt in the cities of Judah. Now, friends, do you see how everybody blamed David's line for this? They, they called it out on David. The, oh, we have no inheritance in, in Jesse. That was David's father. Okay. So they're blaming David for all this. This is the Lord's affliction on David's descendants, just like he said. Now, the Israelites said these exact same words against David back, way back in 2 Samuel 20. They said, we have no share in David to your tents, O Israel. Okay. They're repeating the same thing now that probably over 80 years ago that they had said, this has been a saying in Israel for almost a hundred years. We have no share in David to your tents, O Israel. You can see that this was an old wound from a long time ago, and Rehoboam knew about it, and he could have helped heal it. He had the grand opportunity to do something right, 
but he just ruined any hope of reconciling with the northern tribes. He could have done better, but he didn't. He didn't listen to the older council. And it's just like the prophet Ahijah had foretold, 10 tribes would be torn away. He said this was coming, and now here it is. Any chance they would have had of getting back together, Rehoboam just blew a grand opportunity. 1 Kings 12 and 18. Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was in charge of the revenue. But all Israel stoned him with stones, and he died. Therefore, King Rehoboam mounted his chariot in haste to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. Whoa. Okay, all you accountants out there, all you, all you people that work with numbers, isn't it just like management to bring about a change of policy and then watch you be the first one to get hit by it? <laughs> That's what happened here. Rehoboam sent his accountant out there. He was in charge of the revenue. He's the, he's the money man. He counts all the numbers. He's like, okay, I'm going to make your workload harder. Now, accountant, get out there and let's make it happen. And they killed him. So, you know, you accountant guys, if you feel getting kind of pressured in your job, go show this verse to your boss. Go show him First Kings 12. <laughs> Hope it does you any good. I doubt it will. But anyway, just something you can probably relate to. And notice that verse 19 says they rebelled against the house of David. Rehoboam wanted to afflict the northern tribes, but God said it would be the other way around. I will afflict the descendants of David. The affliction had begun. Rehoboam thought, no, I'm going to put the work on y'all, but it's turned back the other way because that's the way God wanted it. First Kings 12 and 20. Now it came to pass when all Israel heard that Jeroboam had come back, they sent for him and called him to the congregation and made him king over all Israel. There was none who followed the house of David, but the tribe of Judah only. And when Rehoboam came to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah with the tribe of Benjamin, 180,000 chosen men who were warriors to fight against the house of Israel, that he might restore the kingdom to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. Okay, friends, Israel was divided in two, and nobody from Jeroboam's side was going to follow David's line at all. That's how severe the terror was. That's how severe the division, how deep the wedge drove in. That was the terror that the prophet said would, it would be torn away. Now, it's apparent that Rehoboam had no clue that God had prophesied this split to Jeroboam because he, remember, the prophecy was spoken to Jeroboam. Rehoboam didn't know about it. God spoke this prophecy that this split was going to happen. I think if Rehoboam had known about it, he wouldn't have prepared to fight the northern tribes. Like we just read, he's getting all these guys together. We're going we're to go fight. 1 Kings 12, 22. But the word of God came to Shemaiah, the man of God, saying, Speak to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, to all the house of Judah and Benjamin, and to the rest of the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, You shall not go up nor fight against your brethren, the children of Israel. Let every man return to his house, for this thing is from me. Therefore they obeyed the word of the Lord and turned back according to the word of the Lord. Okay, so now Rehoboam finally knows that this was from God. God's the one that did this. He, God's the one that tore the tribes away. You know, from Rehoboam's position, he could think, no, 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 this is a mess. God doesn't do things like this, but God does this sort of thing. So now he knows and he backed off. 
all right, God said, don't go fight him. We better not. So he's probably starting to realize there's a lot better I could have done here. But I want us to not overlook Shemaiah here. He got a brief mention here. You got to figure this man, Shemaiah, he had to go and stick his neck out and speak up during a very heated political situation. You know, this is one of those times when God directly intervened into man's affairs to save a lot of lives. Brave Shemaiah had to stick his neck out and go speak where he probably didn't want to go. 1 Kings 12.25, Jeroboam's gold calves. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim and dwelt there. Also, he went out from there and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom may return to the house of David. If these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn back to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Therefore, the king asked advice, made two calves of gold and said to the people, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up from the land of Egypt. Oh, no. Verse 29. Oh, this just gets me. Oh, it just bothers me. And he set up one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. He made shrines on the high places and made priests from every class of people who were not of the sons of Levi. Jeroboam got scared for his kingdom. He figured everybody's going to want to go worship God back in Jerusalem. But when they do, that's in Rehoboam's territory. And if they go back over there to worship God at the temple there, they're probably going to want to go back to David's line. They're going to go, they're going to make Rehoboam his king. And then I, where am I going to end up? I'm going to get in trouble. So he tried to jerry rig. That's where I remember Jeroboam. He tried to jerry rig an alternative God for Israel to worship just to keep everybody out of Jerusalem. He's afraid he's going to lose his kingdom. Well, let, me, let me come up with another way for people to worship something without going back to Jerusalem. So he used non-Levites for priests. That is a violation of doing things God's way. And notice that he did all of this because of bad advice. He asked for advice what to do, and he made these gold calves. Let's do all this crazy stuff. Guys, here's bad counsel all, all over again. And this golden calf thing. That's the very same thing that the Israelites did right after the exodus from Egypt. If you remember Exodus 32, verse 4, they made golden calves and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when I read this kind of stuff, what is it? I mean, what is going on that caused all these golden calves to be made? I mean, what is the deal here, golden calves? Well, I want you to consider where it was that Jeroboam went to hide from King Solomon. Where did he go? It says he went to Egypt. We read that today. Where had the Exodus Israelites been hundreds of years before? Where were they? They were in the same place. They were in Egypt. So that's where this idea of these golden calves kept coming from, because Egyptians, they considered in their religious system that bulls and calves were these symbols of strength and fertility. And so Egyptian culture, you can see it had corrupted their thinking. Now, remember that God had told Jeroboam, 
in the back in chapter previous, he said, if you walk in my ways, remember that? If you walk in my ways, if you do things the way I tell you to do it, the way I want it, then I will build you an enduring house. Okay, friends, golden calves are not God's ways. God never instituted anything about golden calves. But the reason Jeroboam made them is because he was trying to block people from going back to Jerusalem and worshiping God the way God wants to be worshiped. So we saw Rehoboam blow a grand opportunity, and Jeroboam just blew a grand opportunity too. He could have had God's promise to build his line, to build his family line and, and his throne, and he just blew it. 1 Kings 12.32 Jeroboam ordained a feast on the 15th day of the 8th month, like the feast that was in Judah, and offered sacrifices on the altar. So he did at Bethel, sacrificing to the calves that he had made. And at Bethel he installed the priests of the high places which he had made, So he made offerings on the altar, which he had made at Bethel on the fifteenth day of the eighth month, in the month which he had devised in his own heart. And he ordained a feast for the children of Israel, and offered sacrifices on the altar, and burned incense. Oh my gosh, guys, Jeroboam, don't you just want to look at Jeroboam, grab him by the shoulders and say, dude, you just blew it. I mean, you had it. God himself told you, I'll do all this stuff, and, and, you, and then you go and do all this. Jeroboam tried to bypass God out of the picture. He tried to get the Israelites to worship at his little set-up places, golden calves, instead of going to Jerusalem. He even tried to substitute alternative holidays, and he even set these alternative holidays to coincide at the exact same time as the biblical holidays that were happening in Jerusalem. He timed them to go at the same time the Jerusalem holidays were doing, just so people wouldn't try to go there. Now, what if somebody said, well, you know, we can do both. Jeroboam's having a big party, a a sacrifice, so we'll do that. Then when Jerusalem comes up, we'll go there too. That's why he set them to happen at the same time. He tried to enter a substitute God to take over at the same time Time it at the same exact time that the real holidays were going on just to bypass the God of Israel out of the loop. Jeroboam tried so hard to build his own kingdom rather than just take God up on his offer to build it all for him. I mean, when God himself offers, look, I'll build everything for you. And you say, no, I'm going to do it my own way. I'll I'll just take over. I mean, you just blow it. You know, what's tough about this is we have now seen two men that should have trusted in the Lord enough to let him take care of everything, right? Rehoboam and Jeroboam, what were you two guys thinking? You were told, you were told directly, you had it. Well, friends, hold on a minute because here it comes. All right, get ready. Before we point at them, why don't we take a look at ourselves first. You know, just like these two kings, we can point at them and say, oh man, you're so foolish. Why'd you do this? Friends, we have been offered two grand opportunities. The first opportunity that we've been offered is reconciliation. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set.